Are you preparing to become a PA or just considering the field, wondering how you can apply successfully? Our guest today is the program director at the University of Iowa's PA program, and he'll tell you all about it. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 462nd episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me today. This interview is all about getting accepted to a PA school, specifically the University of Iowa's PA program, which began a half century ago in 1972. In addition to listening to today's interview, I'd like to invite you to download Accepted's free guide, 10 Tips for Acceptance to a Physician Assistant Program at accepted.com slash PA10tips. That's PA10tips. Grab your free copy for advice on selecting the best PA program for you, writing your personal statement, interviewing effectively, and simply presenting the best application you possibly can. It's a competitive field out there, so you need to do the best you can. Download 10 Tips for Acceptance to a Physician Assistant Program from accepted.com slash PA10tips. Again, that's the letter P, the letter A, the number 10, and then tips. Today's guest, Tony Brenneman, grew up in Oregon, where he also earned his bachelor's degree in psychology and piano performance from Linfield College and an MSW from Portland State University. He worked as a social worker until he learned about the PA profession and joined University of Iowa's PA program, graduating with his master's of physician assistant studies in 1996. He worked in bone marrow transplant and in 2004 joined the UIPA program and became the program director in 2012 and also a professor at Carver College of Medicine in 2014. And with that, I want to welcome Tony to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm delighted to speak with you today. Now, before we dive into Iowa's PA program, can you talk a little bit about your own journey from studying piano performance to social work all in Oregon and then becoming a PA in Iowa? It does seem a bit convoluted, doesn't it? Yeah, not, not <laughs> a typical uh, bio major too, you know. Exactly. Well, I think, um, you know, it, it's, I had a journey that in some respects are very much like other people, people that have been thinking about joining the profession. They've started off in one career pathway or had bumps along the road and, and you know, thought, well, this isn't a, a field that I can get into anymore. And so I'm going to go off and try other things. I will say um, when I headed off to my undergraduate experience, I thought for sure I was going to go into medicine. And um, as a 17-year-old, I was a young one going off into college. I wasn't quite ready to put my foot down to the pedal like I needed to um, uh, at that point in time. But I'd always um, enjoyed playing the piano as well. So I had, uh, I had enrolled with a biology and piano performance plan. And when I decided maybe I needed to think about other things, um, I decided to switch it to piano performance and psychology thinking along the lines of music therapy. So I still really wanted to be in that healthcare kind of yeah. background. Um, and so that's where that was going at the time. And then once I graduated and learned more about music therapy, <laughs> I decided it probably wasn't a field that fit my who I was. Um, and so looked around, what can I do with that psych degree and a master's of social work? 
um, was definitely one of the things that I could do. And there were um, social workers that worked in hospital settings. So that was what really intrigued me. So after I graduated, I went on to a hospital there in Portland, Oregon. I started off working in the emergency room, working the 4 to 1 a.m. shift. So I really got to see a lot of different experiences and, and different roles and walks of uh, life that people go through in that kind of role. And then worked in rehabilitation um, at, their, at their rehabilitation center then for several years before moving to Iowa in their neurology department. And I did that just because ready for a change of pace. Um, and Iowa, why not? Okay. <laughs> so I, I moved to Iowa and um, through my wife, I learned about the PA profession. Didn't even know. Is she a PA? Yeah, uh, no, she's not. Oh. But her friend's husband went through this program just before I did. And so she introduced me to that idea because I said, you know, I, I, I told her about that desire to be in healthcare. and. So I looked more into it and thought, yeah, this is something I'm really interested in. And so I went back to school, completed my bio and chem major needs and um, requirements. And now the rest is history. Yeah, it seems to me like there are kind of two relatively common pathways to, to becoming a PA. One is I tried something else and this wasn't quite right. Might have been related, might have been unrelated. And then I decided I wanted to become a PA. And the other is, I started out pre-med and it's just not happening. So this is kind of, I can, I can be happy with this too, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have now a lot of um, uh, our applicants now have decided way before even pre-med, so to speak, although they're taking many of the same courses, if not identical courses, decided way before undergraduate, even that I really want to be a PA. I like what that, that professor where they fit, what they do, um, and, and their opportunities. So I think it's part of the maturation of the, of the profession. Um, you know, we started in 1967, so we're, we're really not that old of a profession. No, not at all. Years old, so that's sounding younger and younger to me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to thank you for, for raising that, because I think that is true, that it's, it's not just a, a, a default or a second choice for, for unsuccessful pre-meds. It is a profession in its own right that has its own strengths and appeals and uh, that there is a growing number of applicants to PA programs that like those who want to become a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief or whatever, they know early on that that's what they want to do. Absolutely. All right. So now let's turn to, to the University of Iowa's PA program. Can you give an overview of the program focusing on its more distinctive elements? Yeah, so I think one of the, probably the most distinctive element is how much our program is embedded within the medical school. Yeah. So our program, our first class was admitted in 1972. And what I think is so fantastic, so we're only five years out from when the first PA enrolled in a, in a program nationally. When our program was first brought to the attention of the Carver College of Medicine and they were told what PAs were supposed to do, the College of Medicine said, so they're going to be doing medicine. Why wouldn't they learn what the medical students are learning? And, and from that time on, we've really been embraced by the College of Medicine, not only um, to have our students embedded within in the framework, 
but our faculty are, uh, and just in practice setting, in the clinical setting, it's we really are practicing um, to the to the top of our licenses um, here at the university. And I think that's because of that foundation all the way through that the that the college of medicine even over fifty years ago recognized that it was really important to teach our students in this manner. Now we started off not with the, the amount that we have now in, um, of our students embedded with the medical education, uh, but it has grown over, the, over time. In 2014, the curriculum uh, changed. So our, our medical school um, really looked at, you know, what, what are we doing well and how could we do things better? And uh, much like a lot of programs out there, they went to a more integrated curriculum as opposed to having three courses, biochemistry or pharmacology, it's now integrated in that physiologic um, models that we, we are doing. So, you know, here's the cardiac system working well. Now it's not working well. So what do we need to think about from all of the foundational sciences through the treatments and care of our patients, um, which I think it is a really great way to teach our students and for our students to learn because it does give them a, a solid framework for the human that they're going to be taking care of and seeing in front of them. Um, when they did that, um, we were no longer able to choose discrete courses that we wanted to have our, our students in. So we needed to move from, we were roughly about 65% of our courses taken with medical students to now 100% uh, of our course, coursework in um, the fall, spring, and the following fall semesters. So the medical school, do the traditional medical school is a two plus two model, two years of didactic and two years of clinical experience. Our, our college moved to an 18-month or three-semester didactic experience and five semesters or two and a half years of clinical experience. Mm -hmm. So when we shifted that way, we decided that, you know, our students have been doing really well in, in this system. So let's, let's jump in with the medical school and do this, this same coursework. So our students will take the first two semesters with the medical students. Our students are sitting side by side. When our lecturers come in, no one can tell a PA student from a medical student. We don't wear big crowns or uh, different colored coats or anything like that. They are red PA on your forehead. Um, that's right, exactly. They're graded on the same curves. They are expected to achieve at the same levels and, and they do. Um, they, are, they are really, um, there's, there's no difference. We've done a number of studies looking, is there, is there a difference between the two? And, and there really aren't. During the summer then, um, when many medical students go off to do clinical experiences in their home, home community or research projects, our students take um, PA-specific course, coursework for the summer. And then in the um, then that fall, they come back and finish up the, the medical um, didactic portion of the, of the classwork. And then we do another year of clinical experience before graduating. In our program, it would be 28 months total from admission to, to graduation. What do you feel is the advantage of this arrangement for the PA students? You know, there are so many different advantages. Certainly the obvious ones are we get to have top performers in their fields lecturing to our students um, to provide really strong foundation in both scientific and clinical practice, and what's best ways to care for, for patients in those settings. We have the full resources available to us that a, a college of medicine has. So we have, you know, real people coming in to do exams on, um, and we have simulated, pay, you know, 
lots of programs have simulation, um, but we, we use heavily use simulation within our program with simulated patients coming in to do practice interviews with, um, with our students um, for learning how to do physical exams. So I think, I think that's a, a huge one. And then there's just that wonderful synergy that you get with sitting side by side and recognizing we know the same information. So it, it really does allow for, I think, a change in perspective in practice as well, um, that, you know, it's, it's not that PA isn't less than and, um, and that it's not in competition with either. I think that they, we, we begin to understand that there's a balance to this healthcare system and we need lots of different places for people to be and to work. And one size doesn't fit all. So they see lots of different opportunities through this process. So I think it's a very nice balance for both the medical students and for our PA students from the learning from each other kinds of perspectives. Do you think that it, or do you, have you done any studies? Does it ease, let's say, teamwork after they leave medical school, whether as the PA or the, does the PA have a greater appreciation for the physician? Does the physician have a greater appreciation for the PA, greater respect? I, I'm writing this down as a as a great idea for a research project. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, we we haven't had that. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it would be a great one to to see. Yes. Right. Okay. Now let's let's move on here. But that was a, a fascinating discussion. What is a common misconception about Iowa's PA program that you would like to dispel? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think people think, oh, I'll never get into that program. And that's not true. Um, absolutely not. The only way you'll find out is if you apply. <laughs> that's true. Um, so don't, don't defeat yourself ahead of time, you know? Don't um, reject yourself. Right, exactly. We, we look for lots of different people because, you know, you can, you can bring in really, really, really brilliant people that basically you can hand them a book and say, here's medicine, learn it. And they, they can, and they can take a test and pass it. And that's not the best healthcare provider all the time. I, mean, I will say that there's definitely um, uh, room for that as well. But, you know, I really, we, we really want to see that well-rounded individual that has had life experiences, maybe hasn't had the perfect GPA, or, you know, they don't think they have all the boxes ticked in just the right way. Because that, to me, brings so much more to the table, not only to the conversations that we have when we're in our small groups and the activities that go around that, but when it comes to relating to, to patients. Um, you know, it gives you another perspective that if you've never really been challenged in your life, it's hard to relate to people that are feeling very, very challenged and very, very vulnerable because of their healthcare status at that moment in time. Right. right. Good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Now, Iowa is using the CASPA application. Is it rolling admissions between April when CASPA opens and October 1, when, which is your deadline? Um, right. Is it advantageous to apply earlier in the cycle, which is usually the case with rolling admissions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do use rolling admissions. And as you've said, um, it's more advantageous to, to go earlier. Uh, we have we usually do five sets of interviews, sometimes six, depending on, on the year, um, starting in July. And they typically will be wrapped up in December. Occasionally, we've gone into January for, for um, this set of interviews. And 
So if you're not selected in the first group, you stay in the mix and you may be selected in the second or the third, because we're always, every year, the pool, it's so very interesting how much it can change from year to year, who's applying in that particular period of time, who you're competing with in that particular pool as well. And so it's, it is it is advantageous to apply earlier um, because we, we do keep going back through and looking over our entire group because we do want to see, as I said, a, a diverse class of individuals because I think you learn as much from each other as you do from the amount of knowledge we, we tend to pour into people's heads while they're here. Right, for sure. What kind of clinical experience is the Iowa PA program seeking? Um, yeah. Is it hands-on, you know, working as a nurse or, or medical technician or whatever, or is shadowing adequate? Our preference is hands-on kinds of care. So as you pointed out, nursing assistant, medical assistant, anywhere where you're laying hands on patients, I think really helps you understand what is this, what does healthcare mean and what, what, what might I need to do? And it gives us a good perspective of the people that we're going to be working with as well and um, how we need to hold everybody up in the process and, and that, um, uh, you know, every job has its challenges and, and to recognize those things. So we really do like to see the hands-on. Um, we do give percentages based on the different kinds of um, activities. So certainly we give hour for hour um, uh, credit for those hands-on roles that we know of for sure, like the nursing assistant or the medical assistant. Scribe? Scribe. Uh, scribe um, I think we give um, about 50% um, of the total hours. I would direct anybody that's listening to this to contact our program administrator, Dr. Tom O'Shea. Um, he is more than happy to tell you, you know, how this would count if you're, if you're at all concerned. Because we also have, you know, EMTs that apply to the program. And that can be a lot of hands-on or it can be very little hands-on, depending on the role. Um, you know, certainly a, an EMT in downtown Chicago is probably a very, very, very busy individual putting their hands on a lot of people. An EMT in very rural Iowa, not, maybe not so much. So there is a little bit of, uh, of varying on, on how much credit um, each, each role might get and where, what the activities were that they would be doing. And there is a minimum number of hours that you require, isn't there? Right. Yes, there is. I, I think um, uh, right around 750 is okay. what we're asking for as a minimum. All right. And what about non-clinical community service? You know, soup kitchen, homeless shelter, whatever it All of those be. things add to the richness of who we are looking for. I think um, those kinds of activities really say a lot about who you are um, as, as, a, as a person and and adds to the experiences that you will benefit from and your patients will eventually benefit from as well because you you, you have a perspective you work in those settings um, and so i think any of those kinds of activities are are valued from our standpoint now the university of iowa pa class i believe is 25 students correct so it's yes we are small. a small class yes that can be great if you get in but how many applications do you receive for those 25 spots is there any preference for iowa residents from the carver medical school and do you have any plans to increase that size as the as the profession grows i mean it's grown enormously it has 
At this point, we do not plan on growing any bigger. Um, we okay. have 25 since we began, and, and that's we really do like that. We really feel like we get a chance to connect with each individual student. Um, that we really get to know them well in this process. And so we really see that as, as our, our mission um, and, and, and the, the way we feel that we function in the best way. Thinking of the number of applications, it does vary year to year. Um, and, you know, it kind of goes up and down. As I think probably anybody applying to PA school is aware, applications just keep increasing. Um, and the number that people are applying to is increasing. On average, we get around 800 to 900 applications for our 25 positions, and uh, we narrow that down and eventually we'll interview about 120 individuals for our 25 positions. That's, uh, that's pretty, pretty uh, intense numbers there. <laughs> it is. But again, I don't want to scare anybody off um, because, you know, what I tell all of the people that are coming for an interview is you clearly have the capability because we that's you've demonstrated that and and so I think it comes down to certainly we want to see that capability but really who are you and that's why we have you come for an interview I know it might be of interest to people that are are, are applying we are doing in-person interviews oh really whoa okay for, I mean for the year that COVID first came out we went um we went virtual all schools I think pretty much did and, uh, but we are back to doing in-person. And I think, I think it's, we had great luck. I'm not, uh, I want to say we had great success with the virtual, but I think it's something that's really, really helpful for Iowa in particular is for people to come and see, oh, it's not what I thought it was. You know, <laughs> Iowa is a beautiful place. Um, it's very hilly around here. Now, people that think of hills in in the Oregon sense, are not going to, or the, or the California sense. Find that here, but. Oh, the California <laughs> sense, right? Right. But if you think, oh, you know, kind of the um, rolling hills um, of, or, or even areas that look, that you think of, of Wisconsin are clearly here in, in Iowa as well. Do we have flat places? Absolutely. But not, not in this area of Iowa. So, okay. so I think getting people here just to see what Iowa looks like and what and could imagine what how they would enjoy it here and then to see the, um, our amazing facilities um, I think that's those two things are huge selling points for people to consider in the process of interviewing because the other thing I often tell our applicants is not only are we interviewing you you're interviewing us and you need to find the program that fits you best and that you think you'll succeed in and 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 thrive in. So I think you know getting people here is really important for those people that just can't imagine living in the Midwest. I will say, I, you know, you pointed out I I, I went to school in Oregon. I actually grew up in Oregon, um, lived there 28 years before I moved and swore there were two things I swore I would never do, and that was live in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and life has a way of teaching us new lessons all the time not to swear <laughs> that's right exactly not to ever never never second guess never you. say never right <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> so right. there's um there's opportunities to have have people come here for that in-person interview i i think i got just 
distracted from what your full question was. The other part of the question was, is there any preference for Iowa residents? Not oh, only thank at the you. interview stage, but in general. Yeah. yeah, you know, absolutely. We're always interested in Iowa applicants. That being said, we frequently have more out-of-state admitted to our program than in-state. Oh, really? The numbers that are applying to our program, though, um, when we look at that 800 um, applicants to our program, probably about 700 of them are from out of state, 100 are from in-state. So the, oh. the percentages maybe weigh a little bit more towards the Iowa one um, in those two different categories, but that's- It's not, it's not like you have, can only accept 10% from out of state or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. You couldn't, you couldn't accept two and a half people anyways. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Streamline your med school applications with Interfolio. Apply to multiple schools at once, request secure letters of recommendation, and more. Sign up at interfolio.com backslash accepted with the code accepted22 for 10% off. That's interfolio.com backslash accepted. And now let's go back to the interview. Is there anything that you look for in applicants that let's say you didn't look for five or 10 years ago? Yeah, that's, that's also a wonderful question. Um, I think two things that I really look for are grit and resilience. And I, and I think that's something that we've all talked about is, you know, I would rather take that student that I think they're going to need extra help to get through the program or they might find it a bit of a struggle, but their background, their life experiences demonstrated that they have that grit and resilience to get through really difficult times and really challenging times. And they know how to refocus and to, to handle um, what's being thrown in front of them. Because let's, let's be honest, it was always this way in medicine. There was always things that were getting thrown in front of you. It was never exactly as you hoped the day would go. And now COVID has more than uh, put that into evidence for, for that. So I really, I would rather have that person that has, has struggled a bit than, than one that just sort of, it, it just was so easy all the way through. Um, because Sailed through. Yeah, exactly. Because once, once that first hiccup happens, and, and it will, it's, it's a big tragedy. Um, and it's really, really hard to change direction or to refocus. Because the skills haven't been learned yet um, along those ways. And that's sometimes um, why a student may or may not be selected. You know, maybe it's just, um, we often talk about, they'll be a fantastic PA with a little more cooking. I mean, sometimes we see applicants, not just a PA school, but in general, they feel like to show, I don't know, to show that they didn't sail through, they have to almost write a, a pity essay. Yeah, and 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 I I I don't know if I would um, recommend that per se, um, but I think you know I think sometimes people are concerned about talking about a challenge and how how what they learned from it and how they moved forward because they don't they don't want to point out that there was a struggle, and I think you know programs get really good at looking at applications and can see this there's something interesting here. I, I wonder if they explained it or talked about it. And when it's not, um, it raises additional questions. Um, and, and so I think, you know, 
just being upfront about that um, and talking about that in your in your letter is a useful thing, um, I think, for, for many uh, programs, whether it's medical school or PA school, to, to go, oh, they've really gained from this um, experience. And not, not to say, you know, going out and looking for a horrible thing to happen oh, or, or to make something big out of something that really wasn't that, that um, uh, eventful. And, you know, if you, if you have been able to go through, wonderful. I, we definitely have people that come into our program as well that way. But I, I think, um, you know, I think it's just one of those things that I, when I'm looking for that well-rounded full individual that brings a lot to the table, it's, it's, it's that resilience and grit that shows I know how to, to stay focused, even if there's the sky falling down around me a little bit. Or that you came out stronger after the sky absolutely absolutely i sometimes tell a story when you know this comes up with uh with clients or applicants when our children were young we had children fairly close together we had a double stroller and the double stroller had a metal frame and when our youngest child was a baby the metal frame broke i didn't want to go out and get another double stroller because i knew i wasn't gonna need it much longer and um so I, I found a place that could solder the metal frame. And afterwards, I went to pick it up and it looked great. And I said, now, is this going to be a point of weakness? Is it going to be more likely to break where you soldered? And he said, no, the solder will be stronger than the rest of the frame. The solder is stronger. And that's the true reflection that should come through in an essay about a challenge overcome. It's the overcoming and the lessons learned that are far more important than what actually happened. Yeah, absolutely. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. I, you know, I think to me, the other piece that comes out of this is this person has the ability to self-reflect and to take in that, that piece um, because it is really important in, in any role in healthcare to, to be able to self-reflect. Oh, yeah. Could have I approached this patient in a different way? Could have I said something different? Or, oh my gosh, this outcome was, was bad. What do we need to take away from this so that this doesn't happen again? And it's, and it's no, no reflection on whether you are a good care provider. It is about what I see it, that being is a good person that is going to be even a better healthcare provider because they don't want to do those kinds of things again. And they want to reflect on how we can do it even better. And, and I think it's hard when, when everything keeps going extremely well to, to, to reflect on that because where do you take it from there? And great if that is, is your, has been your experience. But I think even in those good times, there are things to self-reflect about. And so sure. demonstrate those self-reflections is, is, is an important piece. Wonderful answer. Thank you. Now, do you accept, let's say, uh, update letters from applicants at any point in the process or letters of intent? Probably update letters more. Um, yeah. Either yeah. from waitlist applicants or applicants who haven't heard from you. Absolutely. No, we always welcome those. We add them to their files. We do consider them as they come through. So um, I would um, encourage that. We try, once we get to the place where we have filled our class, we still have a wait list because occasionally, you know, students will, will say, I just found out that there's this program right next door to me and I don't have to move, um, you know, and so I think I'm going to go there and then somebody will, will come off the wait list. So, and be offered that, that position. And, 
any of those updates help us keep track of what's going on in your life, which what, what is of interest to you. Maybe those are things that just move you up a little bit further, even on that wait list. So great. Thank you. On a forward looking note, what advice would you give to PA wannabes, potential applicants who want to apply this upcoming cycle, right? Now, when, when this interview airs, it's going to be March 22nd, at least that's the plan. And, um, shortly before CASPA's April opening, I believe. What would you like listeners for this cycle to know? Well, I think certainly be sure that you are, um, you've achieved all the things that you need to, to qualify for our program. So please go to our website. We have all the things that you need to know about for admissions and are, are listed right there. And, and so, you know, have you gotten the coursework um, com- completed that needs to be? For instance, we want biochemistry to be completed before December 31st. Now, some of the other science courses may be able to be completed after that 31st, even though you won't, because you're not going to come in until the next fall. So we start interviewing in July for the next year. So um, sometimes some of our classes are required to be completed at the time of application, and some of them can be completed, you know, even though you've been admitted, you still need to complete them, Uh, but it can be done in in that remaining period of time. So be sure that you're um, looking at the application, and are you doing all those kinds of things that will qualify you at at the basic level. And then many of the things that we've talked about, you know, what are things that you want to highlight? Are there activities that you think are particularly helpful? Are there challenges that you've overcome? Um, Certainly write about those kinds of things. As with any application, um, be sure that your letters of reference um, are, you can count on them being good. Um, And so making sure that you clarify that with the people that you're asking and following, uh, again, uh, every school has a little bit different recommendations on what they would like to see. We want to see one that is an academic reference, um, and then one can be work, one can be whoever else you would like as a, as a reference. So be sure that those, those pieces are, are all in place in order for your application to keep moving through at the speed that you would like it to, to be moved through our system at. If you would be selected for an interview, we use uh, the MMI models, the multiple, multiple mini interviews. I do know that there are lots of products out there on the market um, for you to practice MMI questions, MMI responses. They have very um, canned ways of doing things. And I will say it's recognizable when it's a canned response or a canned way that the company recommends that this is the best way to do an MMI. I want to see you. I don't want to see the canned response. Um, So I will say, even though you can have a good answer with all of the pretty frame around it, that probably won't get you where you need to go. I would rather have that person that's just showing us who they are and talking about how they would respond to that particular scenario or question or topic that we're having them talk about, because that's who you are. <laughs> that's right, right. Yeah. It's pretty hard to hide, hide who you are when you get yeah, right down to it. Yeah. But now you just mentioned one mistake to avoid. Are there other mistakes that applicants should be aware of and avoid when they apply? 
That's a great question. You know, I think for me that I think for us um, that is probably the the biggest one that that they should try to avoid is just is don't over practice, don't over prepare. Be who you are. I think are the the big the big pieces, and and we really do try to keep it very relaxed and friendly. And we do ask for feedback after they've left us on in anonymously, so they don't have to worry about it being associated with them in particular. But you know how how did it feel? And and that is one of the the pieces we often hear back is I just felt so comfortable. Thank you for making me feel relaxed. And again, you know I think that's. It's a two-way street here. I want to know who you are, and I want you to know who I am as well. Um, and so we really do try to practice what we preach. All right. Now, one question I forgot to, to ask, and I think you, you touched on it a minute ago, is in terms of academic preparation. So, I mean, you, you mentioned that, you know, they have to have certain courses, and they have to get that done before they, you know, by certain dates. But do you want a particular major? I mean, is piano performance okay? Is uh, as long as they take I the mean, science classes? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've had English majors. We have had PhDs in public health. Wow. We have, um, you know, all sorts of different backgrounds coming through um, our program. And, and I think it goes back to what I've talked about earlier. It just adds to the richness of who our classes are. Uh, because everybody brings their own skills um, and their own skill sets. And once they get into our program, we are a pass-fail program. We do not, you do not have to, you know, that 3.0 or 3.5 or whatever those requirements are. And, and what I love to tell our students is P equals PAC. Because, you know, just like medical school, person that graduates last in their medical school program is called doctor. Right. You know, I, if nobody asks me, were you at the top of your PA class, in the middle of the PA class, at, you know, or, you know, um, you graduated from an accredited PA program and you have met the requirements that are needed to be a, a PA. So what, the way I look at this pass-fail is it really does take away that competitiveness that, that oh, yeah. frankly had to do in undergraduate experience in order to achieve and, and rank above X or Y. And then you can take those skills that they're all bringing in in order to teach each other and help each other through programs. Because this month, you may be sailing and, and top of the, the class and you can help others. And at the next, next month, it, the roles may be reversed. And so it, you really want to be able to reach out and rely on each other where, where they're bringing in those special learning backgrounds that they that they carry with them so yeah they have to have gotten all of the prereqs that we that we require i do like to see solid coursework in, in sciences in and what i mean by that is you know i sometimes see applications where they have a 4.0 but they've taken 13 semester hours each semester in one science course and to me that doesn't tell me that you are capable of the amount of science you're going to have to take at one time in our program or in any program, um, you know, whether you're embedded completely in a medical school or not. And so what I really want to see is, you know, did you take even two and you were also an, a student athlete um, and all the hours that had to go into doing that. So you were juggling many balls at one time. We're or, working. You took four science courses at a time and did exceedingly well, and then and then you 
did the fun courses all at one time, you know, however you, however you do that. Um, but I think that it's so important to demonstrate you can do that and you can do it with a fairly good semester hour load, whether that's 15 or 16 hours, because, you know, you're going to jump into most programs where you're going to be taking 20 or 22 semester hours of coursework. And the majority of it's science. We do have, you know, some that are less science heavy, but it's certainly all related to the same thing. And so you don't want to go from really zero to 90 without having having had some idea of what that means in, in preparation. All right. Thank you again. What would you have liked me to ask you? I don't know if there was anything that you didn't ask about. I just would, I think sometimes, um, as I said earlier, Iowa can be discounted as a, as a little farm country area. I will say, you know, as I said earlier, I, I came from Oregon where I didn't think I'd ever live in the Midwest. And now I lived here longer than I had, I did in Oregon. There is a lot going on here. There's a lot going in its favor. Um, and there are some very beautiful areas. People may not know this, but you can ski in Iowa, down, not just from <laughs> um, There's lots of great biking. There's lots of great outdoor activities. And it's just a wonderful community, um, the Iowa City area. So don't dismiss it because it's the Midwest. There's a lot going on here. I, I would, I, you know that I told you this before we, we went on the air, but my husband went to the University of Iowa and he always speaks of it with enormous fondness, how beautiful it was, how lovely it was. The Iowa River walk, you know, apparently it freezes and some people walk across it and love the campus and all that. So while I have not visited Iowa, he went back before we got married and found that all his friends had, had by then moved on. So he didn't, he did not go back since we've been married, but sure. um he has nothing but the nicest things to say about that that time that he spent there. So, yeah. although I can't vouch from personal experience, I can I can understand what you're saying, Tony. And at this point, I think we're just about out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining me and sharing your expertise. This has been really delightful. Where can listeners learn more about the University of Iowa's Physician Assistant Program and earning a Master's of Physician Assistant Studies there? Sure. Uh, probably the easiest way is just to type in UIowa PA Program. The okay. U and then Iowa uh, PA program, but our, our URL is medicine.uiowa.edu backslash PA backslash. And we'll link to that if that kind of was too hard to jot down. We're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 462 to the University of Iowa's PA website, as well as to other resources that may be helpful to listeners. And one of those resources is 10 Tips for Acceptance to Physician Assistant Programs, which is a free download from Accepted. Now that you want to be a PA more than ever after listening to Tony talk, uh, don't apply without having these tips in your hip pocket. It's easy. Just go to accepted.com slash PA 10 tips. Again, it's exhibit.com slash PA10tips and grab your copy. This is a Mission Straight Talk produced by Accepted and I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. Are you preparing to become a PA or just considering the field? Wondering how you can apply successfully? Our guest today is the program director at the University of Iowa's PA program, and he'll tell you all about it. Welcome to the 462nd episode of the Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me today. This interview is all about getting accepted to a PA school, specifically the University of Iowa's PA program, which began a half century ago in 1972. 
In addition to listening to today's interview, I'd like to invite you to download Acceptance Free Guide, 10 Tips for Acceptance to a Physician Assistant Program at accept.com slash PA10tips. That's PA10tips. Grab your free copy for advice on selecting the best PA program for you, writing your personal statement, interviewing effectively, and simply presenting the best application you possibly can. It's a competitive field out there, so you need to do the best you can. Download 10 tips for acceptance to a physician assistant program from accepted.com slash PA 10 tips. Again, that's the letter P, the letter A, the number 10, and then tips. Today's guest, Tony Brenneman, grew up in Oregon, where he also earned his bachelor's degree in psychology and piano performance from Linfield College and an MSW from Portland State University. He worked as a social worker until he learned about the PA profession and joined the University of Iowa's PA program, graduating with his master's of physician assistant studies in 1996. He worked in bone marrow transplant and in 2004 joined the UIPA program and became the program director in 2012 and a professor at Carver College of Medicine in 2014. Tony, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. All right, now do the close again. We'll include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 462 to the University of Iowa's PA website, as well as to other resources that may be helpful to you listeners. Thanks again to Tony Brenneman for joining me. And thank you listeners for also joining me. And one of those resources that might be helpful to you is 10 tips for acceptance to a physician assistant. You know what? I'm going to do this again. I don't like where I'm going with it. Um, thanks again, Tony, for joining me and also for, for the link. We're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 462 to the University of Iowa's PA website, which could be a little bit hard for you to jot down, as well as to other resources that may be helpful to listeners. And one of those resources is 10 Tips for Acceptance to Physician Assistant Programs, which is a free download from Accepted. Now that you want to be a PA more than ever after listening to the show, don't apply without having these tips in your hip pocket. It's easy. Go to accepted.com slash PA10tips. Again, that's accepted.com slash the letter P, the letter A, the number 10, and then the word tips, T-I-P-S, and grab your copy. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>